You are listening to Joygasm, a video game and movie podcast. I'm Russ, Xbox Live Toaster 360. He is Steve, Xbox Live Stevovich. And it is time for our favorite games of 2019 today, episode 151, December 12th, 2019. I am delighted, as is Steve, to have a special guest on the show, whom we've not had on here for quite some time, fellow Patreon supporter, as well as our good old friend Brad. And he is going to be providing with his amazing repertoire of game experiences over the past year, his own personal top five favorite games of 2019. Bradley, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm feeling a lot of pressure after your introduction, though, that uh, you put too much on me there, Russell. A little bit too much. Oh, it's all deserved. It's all well-deserved. What exactly is your gamer score currently? Because I remember last I think it was last time we did this last year. It was pretty impressive. Uh, 200 and something, 220, 230,000. You got to give me a warning if you're going to ask for specific numbers. Come on. And that's only on uh, Xbox. I was close. Like with, with well, yes. PlayStation, they don't really have, do they have a gamer score? I know they have the trophy system. Yeah. They have the trophy system. You get levels as you, uh, as you get trophies. So, each trophy contributes to, to increasing your level. I am uh, 220,716 as of right now on Xbox, and I think I'm 12 or 13 on uh, on PlayStation. But, man, I feel like I haven't played very much PlayStation this year, but we'll get to that a little bit later. Yes, yes. And I think last year wasn't – I can't remember if your goal was to reach 100,000 or hundred and. 30? What, what was no. your what was your goal? Two hundred thousand, but that was two that was two years ago. Um, two years ago, okay. Yeah, because I wanted I wanted to get up and over that number by the end of twenty seventeen. Barely made it with like a week to go, and then since then I, I haven't been focused as much on increasing the number. But you know, it still goes up. I. I'm still a big fan of the achievement system. It makes me makes me do things in games that I normally wouldn't do. So yes. just seek out extra corners and try different ways of different ways of playing the game. So I'm just uh, since I hit that two hundred thousand mark, you know, a million is a really long ways away. So <laughs> don't have quite the uh, <laughs> quite the excitement level to hit a next tier. But I will you have know, you maybe know with maybe with something we're going to talk about later it'll inspire me to get to 250 in the next year or two. There you go. Yeah. I haven't even crossed 50,000 with my score. I, I, I am, I'm at 45,333. <laughs> it is, but a humble number compared to your gargantuan number. <laughs> it's just a number. Yes. Just a number. So I thought it'd be fun for us to just briefly catch up with each other and find out what we've been playing, what we've been watching, and then we could segue into a lot of the different awards that we've been uh, checking out over the past couple of days, whether it was the Video Game Awards and IGN, that sort of thing, before going into our topic of the day. So I thought perhaps I could start off with Steve, and then we'll go to Bradley, and then uh, I'll finish up myself with uh, what's new. So Steve, 
Yeah. What exactly uh, have you been up to? Well, <laughs> again, I haven't been playing much. Um, watching, uh, that's a whole different story. But playing, nah, not so much. I, we, actually, the wife and I had a Stallone fix. A Stallone fix? Yeah, this week. Yes, we watched Rambo First Blood. Never seen it. Oh, wow. Wait, never seen it. You had, you had never seen Rambo? I've never seen Rambo, <laughs> but he doesn't do it that much in that movie, though. Oh, he didn't. <laughs> no, that that's more like that. That's more him being Rocky than Rambo. Oh, well, really? Yes. Oh, okay. So I was expecting the hey, I'm gonna shoot you. What are you doing? You know, but he wasn't really like that. Okay. But so we enjoyed Rambo, and then we were watching the special features and listening to him speak and listening to the directors and stuff. And they had referenced Rocky, and I had spoken to her before. Um, and, and when we watched Creed 2, and she says, Oh, why do they jump on the stairs and you know, jump all you know, with the monument and the whole thing when they're up the stairs and they uh, turn around and you know, throw their hands in the air? And I said, That's that's famous what Rocky does. I'm like, you've seen Rocky. And she says, oh yeah, yeah, I've seen Rocky. I'm like, that's odd you say that. If you've seen Rocky, yet you don't know that reference. <laughs> so then they were, they were the back to the special features, the director and the producer were referencing Rocky. And so she says, why are they saying that? I don't remember that in Rocky. I'm like, you've never seen Rocky. Come on. You've never seen Rocky. She goes, I think I have. I said, I'll tell you what, we'll watch it. And if you've seen it, we'll stop it. If not, we're watching the whole thing. And she says, okay. So we watched Rocky and she had never seen it. So was she uh, was she expecting a squirrel and a moose to show up when you started watching Rocky? Probably. <laughs> Probably. So anyhow, we watched Rocky again. Of course, that's a wonderful movie. And we, uh, we're going to watch the whole Rocky series. I have not seen Rambo in, in at least a decade, if yeah. not two decades. <laughs> Never seen it, but I put the rest of them on the the queue uh, for them to come in. I want we want to see them all. So. They're classics. I will say that. Yeah. Are you going to see the new uh, Rambo yeah. movie that just came out? We're going to see that one too. <laughs> see, I like that. It's fun little activities like that that a couple should experience and go right. through. But other than that, I've just kind of been making my way through Star Wars, but I'm I'm not close to beating it yet, Russ. Which pl- what, which planet are you on? Uh, I don't know the planet that starts with like with with the L, Lith 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 something. I don't know. Ilum? I don't know. No, you can't be that far. No, I don't know about that, Russ. I don't know. Well, what does it look like? Uh, well, it's the one that I showed you the other day when you were over. Oh, okay, you're on the same planet. Yeah, there. that one, mm-hmm. the icy one. Yeah, it's the one, uh, the cold one. It starts with an L? I thought it starts with an L. It's the, Brad, it's the one, it's the level that uh, has the abandoned village on it. And you have some some of the ice chutes that you slide down and through, and it has like that little automated um, mining pulverizer thing on the side of the mountain. Do you know that planet yeah. that I'm describing? Yeah, I, I remember yeah. that part of the game. I have no idea what the planet name was, but you're, you're, you're making your way through that. That's a good chunk of the way through the game. Yeah. So where are you on that planet? Have you made your watch? Well, I don't, I don't want to spoil anything for you. Where are you right now? Well, I'm past the pulverizers. Yeah, I know that. Um, I, oh, I don't know. I'm, I, I paused it. 
<laughs> I found a spot. I'm like, okay, I got to do something else. And so I paused right out. So I don't know. Have you made it any farther than like where you were like trying to make your way past it when I was there? With no, you? That, that's that where I am. That is hilarious. That's where I am. So yeah, Bradley, Steve couldn't get past the, uh, the ice shoot thing. He was struggling with that long uh, sliding fest that was going on. And, and uh, oh. so I was over there two days ago. And that was the that was the last time he actually picked up that game to play. For shame, Steve. Sorry about that. I have to entertain the Wi-Fi, which I love to do, by the way. Uh, I'm not using that as an excuse. <laughs> shot. <laughs> uh, anyhow, yeah, I know that part was annoying because I couldn't make the, uh, the hairpin turn. I would fall off the ice again and again and lose a centimeter of life each and every time. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, the force would bring me back to my last checkpoint until my last sliver of life was gone and then I had to wait three minutes for it to reload. I see. Uh, and then I just kind of gave up. And then you were my lucky charm. I intend to be that for you, Steve. So you came over. I was like, yeah, I'm stuck on this part. Watch. And so that I did it. And you go, okay, yeah, okay, you turned. Okay, yeah, you jumped on the vine. Okay, yeah, you jumped there. And then now you're done. What's the problem? <laughs> I don't know. I have no clue what the problem was. Just sorry for complaining. You even handled those stormtroopers like a boss. I'm like, <laughs> what is the problem? You were saying you couldn't get Pat. Like, what? So, well, I'm, I'm happy for you that uh, uh, you were able to make it a little bit farther than right when I was there. But yeah, you seriously have got to make your way through that game right. because it's it's a fantastic game, Steve. It is. So, is, but you haven't played anything else? Rocky was kind of your main thing. You were just yeah. watching that. Yeah, that's it. All right, it. Bradley. What have you been watching? What have you been playing oh, this past goodness. week? Oh, goodness. Playing. I've been wrapping up a couple games. I, I finished uh, Life is Strange 2 uh, earlier this week. Really enjoyed that. That that may or may not come up again later today as we as we go through our top games of the year. But started a couple games that I wanted to play before we had this conversation. So I started uh, Innocence, A Plague Tale, and Bloodstained Ritual of the Night, both of yeah, oh, that sounds pure. Yeah, I heard about that one. I think you told me, didn't you mention that to me, Brad? Yeah, the so it, one? it's by the uh, the guy who made the original uh, Castlevania games. Um, <laughs> so it's That's it's a, right. think of it as a modern two D Castlevania <laughs> style game. I think it's right up your alley. Something you would really enjoy um, after church. Hey, you know, I'm not here to save your soul. I'm here to talk about video games. So that's between uh, that's between you and your maker. Right. Um, yeah. it, it, anyway, um, but uh, no, that's a good one. And I'm really enjoying Innocence of Plague Tale uh, so far. That one, I've done, I don't quite know how to describe it. It's almost a, an adventure game set in 14th century France and there's plague stuff going on and, you know, kings and queens and it, it's... I'm pretty impressed with it so far, uh, but I'm not too far into that one. So those are the two that I've been playing. And which system That's, is I'm that one on Xbox. I'm which which system is that Yeah, so... Xbox. Okay. Uh, that one... Is is it for yeah, the PS4 as well? platform. So that one, unfortunately, is not part of the greatest deal in video games today, Game Pass. But uh, Bloodstained is part of Game Pass, so you have zero excuse not to check that one out. Ah... Very nice. I'll have to look for it after this podcast recording session and start the old download. I must say, actually, not to uh, T-bone your your little segment here, Bradley, but 
I was thinking about how um, the hard drive I have hooked up to my Xbox. I think it's about fifty percent full, so I think it's gonna it's gonna work out nicely for when uh, we segue into the the next gen console wars, as it were. But anyway, that's for another time. Continue. Yeah, so that those are the two that I'm I'm actively playing right now. As far as watching, um. Gosh, we are, we're in the middle of season three of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which is one of my favorite shows on TV, but the show that is just uh, blowing me away week after week is the uh, HBO show Watchmen. I have Uh, not, you know, based based on the comic. Yeah. uh, Or kind of a a follow-up, or I don't know how you want to describe it, spiritual successor to the events of the the graphic novel. Um, my God, that show is amazing. Uh, it, it just every week it tops the week before. Um, so if you have not watched that, which I don't believe either one of you have, I would highly recommend checking that one out. The season finale is on Sunday. Um, it is superbly acted. The music is fantastic. The direction, I mean, it is, Every episode has just been like, whoa, how did this get better than last week? Um, so I, I think that's making a strong case for what being one of the best shows on TV right now. Um, and that's those are the two that we're kind of watching. Now, The Watchmen, is, is, is this season one? This is season one. So it just started, okay. whatever, October, November, a couple months back here. And I'm surprised that you are into a show like that because I never really would peg you for a Watchmen fan. Like you, did you read the comics? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So. Oh, wow. I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a you know, mini series, if anything, it's almost hard to call it a, a comics yeah. because it, <laughs> it was what, 12, 12 issues, 14 issues, something like that. Um, but no, I read that before the, uh, the movie that we shall not talk about came out a few years ago. Uh, yeah. That was not quite as good. Um, but no, is Rorschach in- uh, just as cool or cooler in the TV show? I don't even want to say anything. You just need to watch it. It, it oh. definitely don't expect it to be a reiteration of the comics or the awful movie that Zack Snyder made years ago. It really yes. is kind of, following you know it's it's set in 2019 so it's after the events um i don't want to say a whole lot else but it is it's going to win quite a few awards i think when the next round of uh of emmys and golden globes come up interessante well let's see here what have I been doing? I've yeah, okay. So I have been playing more Call of Duty multiplayer. I've been getting into that lately and have as I've said in the past, I've been really been enjoying it. I did give the the co-op a playthrough with a buddy of mine, and I'm actually not too crazy about the co-op mode. I think it's okay. I, I may need more time with it, but I found that the actual standard multiplayer mode is actually more my jam. And so I've been having fun with that. I bit, I did in fact beat star Wars Jedi fallen order. And so I want to be careful that I don't spoil it for you, Steve Hmm. or any of our listeners who haven't beat it yet, but my goodness, uh, if I can speak 
in a very general term, a very perhaps vague term, I was absolutely enthralled by the story. I really did enjoy all the different planets and I cannot wait for a sequel. Hopefully they'll be making a sequel. And I was thinking to myself about how when they made Titanfall and then when they went to Titanfall 2, there was such a an improvement, not only in the graphics, but also in just the your ability to be able to do a lot of different gameplay mechanics. And I, for one, really do hope that they follow suit with a sequel to this particular game. And uh, I want to talk to you about it so badly, Steve. I'm not going to. Let's just jump right now. I mean, if EA feels like it's okay to spoil the uh, the ending of the game, why don't you feel like it's okay to spoil the ending, Russ? Yeah, I know, right? That was the funniest thing was like the, the night that I actually beat the game, you were, were warning me, don't look at any kind of commercial that has to do with this game uh, as of late, just keep playing through because they apparently had a spoiler and, and I, I'm glad I didn't because uh, it's, it's, uh, it was a fantastic way for the game to come to a conclusion. So I'll just put it like that. Agreed. Uh, I started checking out Mortal Kombat 11. I really haven't played it yet though. I, it was kind of funny. I, I'm, I'm studying the graphics because I'm so blown away by the level of detail in the environments and whatnot. They really did an awesome job with the art direction in that game. I know Brad, you've, you've played it extensively, right? I probably put, I don't know, 25, 30 hours into it. So I really enjoyed it. I, I thought they did a great job. It's, it feels good. The uh, characters feel, for the most part, different enough. Um, and the way they developed the planets to kind of give it uh, give it continual you know, reasons to come back and unlock new gear. I, I thought they did a great job with it. Yeah. It makes me excited to, to see if they're going to come out with an Injustice 3, which they, I mean, they have to, right? They, I would be shocked if they didn't continue that series. And I think Injustice 2 did really yeah, well. The, the question is, do they like money? And if the answer is yes, then you can expect Injustice 3 in about 18 <laughs> months. Well, and actually, you bring up a good point because it makes me wonder if Injustice 3 will come out for next-gen consoles, in which case we're going to be in for a treat because imagine seeing all the Injustice characters but with next-gen graphics. I, I, think, yeah, I, I think that's going to be a, a beautiful I, thing. I think we're at the point in the console cycle where if the game has not already been announced for the current consoles, you've got to assume it's it's going to be a next uh, generation release. Yep, totally. Uh, in the watching department, uh, I have been having a blast with Disney Plus. I have really been enjoying watching The Mandalorian. In fact, today they just dropped new episodes, which I have not yet it's seen. Really but my goodness, the the Mandalorian is so good. So good. So good. So good. So good. But uh, that plus all the other ones, I mean, Disney Imagineering, honestly, it's neck and neck with The Mandalorian, in my opinion, because that could have easily been just like a, a one-time featured show with one episode, but they've made it into this episodic journey, and I really enjoy just what they have to say. It's It's very well thought out. I love how Angela Bassett is the the narrator, the voiceover for the the entire thing, uh, and I, I hope that they have plenty of episodes. I think they're up to like episode six, if I'm not mistaken. And so, uh, been really liking that a lot. I also, and this is a this is a fun one for me. This is a big deal to me. I introduced my daughter to Toy Story one and two. Oh 
we back to back? Not back to back. We, <laughs> we've done one per night, but that was a, a, a thing that I was, I've been looking forward to for a long time. Anything that's like Pixar related and really all of the, the Disney featured films, I, I've made a point to communicate to the family. Look, I need to be present when she watches these for the first time. And so they've been really good about not spoiling that little chestnut. And uh, it's been fun. Like her favorite character, I asked her from uh, the first Toy Story movie was Woody. No. And then we'll see. And I didn't know who because <laughs> she can she can be kind of unpredictable in that regard. But then when after she saw Toy Story 2, she said her favorite character is now Jesse. Sure. Which is the the female cowboy, the cowgirl? I guess is a better. Way I, to say. Not, I remember. Yeah, I remember. You had a look on your face like you're like, who's Jesse? Well, I just remember Jesse being. Uh, oh yeah. Okay. No. 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 I'm for you, Kate. You said Toy Story two. For some reason, I was thinking about Toy Story four. Ah yes. Yeah, I got my numbers. Uh, yeah. What's insane to me is I. It's been a while since I've watched those films, and <laughs> the graphics yeah. have come such a long way. I mean, I I forgot how the first Toy Story came out in 1995. I want to say, and the, I I gotta say they're they're on the level nowadays as like what you'd expect from animatics. Like if you were putting together a rough scene, that's about where the graphics fidelity would be. So it's. It's saying something, but I will say the, the, the strength of the storytelling is still right there. I mean, the, the, you cannot beat a Pixar story. They, they really do have lots and lots of quality in that department. So. so did she like the first one better or the second one better? That's a good question. <laughs> I'm not exactly. Well, okay. So Sid made her a little uncomfortable. You know, the, the, the bad kid Sid. Yep. Bad kid Sid. Yeah, Exactly. As she was watching those scenes, I mean, she would turn to me and she's like, Sid's a bad boy. I'm like, well, yes, he is. She's like, he's be he's behaving very naughty. I'm like, yes, he is. He's not treating his toys with love now, is he? And she absolutely, of course, loved it when all the toys broke the rule of, of uh, not coming to life in front of a human. She got a, a sick satisfaction out of that, which I thought was fun. So anyway, that's about all that was new with me. Um let us segue into what I know is on all of our minds as well as everyone else's. And that is I, for one, have been very curious over this past week as to um, which publications have been giving their kudos and top honors to various games. And I'm so glad I have to preface this by saying both you, Steve and Bradley contacted me roughly around the same time, letting me know and the video game awards were uh, happening uh, yesterday. There's, I think they had been on for about 30 minutes or so. And so I was able to, to get on board and check out what all was going on and stuff. And so I thank you for that. Welcome. What, what did, uh, what did you think of, of uh, the video game awards overall? Well, you see, th this is what makes me kind of nervous for stadia. Cause I'll tell you exactly what happened. So I'm in bed collecting my thoughts for today. <laughs> and then I happened to see something on Facebook. Uh, I think I had a, a friend post something and I clicked on Facebook and scrolled down like once. And I see the, the, the advertisement for the new Xbox. I'm like, that's nah, gotta be a joke. So then I 
put my thoughts aside, went on Google, looked it up, and went, there's a game you want to And so I texted you, jumped out of bed, ran over, logged in to, to Xbox Live and launched YouTube, and then it kept stalling out and stalling out and stalling out. You're talking about the stream? Yeah, yes. Oh, and weird. so I don't know. My I don't know if it's my Xbox or what, but I could hardly manage a connection. It was just jumping around everywhere. So I got like the last hour okay. Mm-hmm. And then I had to like basically start over and watch the rest up into that hour. I didn't have a problem with that at all. Man, I had so many. Oh my goodness. I had so many problems. I, I was exhausted after the show <laughs> because I was sitting there for like Four hours waiting for the stream to catch up. It was nuts. But that was my experience. Well, aside from the technicalities, though, what did you think of the show overall? Um, You know, the show was okay. You know what it reminded me of since I was just on Facebook is it reminded me of there, there, there's times when I want to put my mind at ease when I'm, when I'm trying to get to sleep and to put my thoughts away. And so I'll just scroll through Facebook and get bored. But that's almost how the show was. There was like, oh, here's a trailer. Here's someone going to tell you something new. Here's someone who's going to get up and talk to you about another game. Here's somebody else. Here's here's And it's all this stuff just constantly being thrown at you. I almost couldn't catch my breath. Huh. I almost wanted them to slow down and focus on uh, lesser stuff, but give us more of it than give us everything all at once. It almost felt like, man... I rolled the window down and you got <laughs> stuck my head out the window, got hit by a bunch of branches. Like, ah, whoa! <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't, <laughs> I was exhausted, uh, but I, yeah, I, I think there was, it was way too much for what they, what they, uh, what they had to show. I mean, if it's an award show, let's focus on the games that were, were great. Yeah. Sprinkle in a couple of, uh, you know, bits of, bits of flavor here and there for stuff to expect, but man, it seems like they were running hundred miles an hour. What about you, Bradley? what do you think of the video game awards? You know, the, the award show itself was fine. You know, it's a typical award show, you know, whether it's the Oscars or the Grammys or whatever. It, it's award shows are award shows, right? You know, these, these folks get up and accept awards and it's nice to see people recognized for their hard work. But uh, the reveals, oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I did not. Uh, I didn't see some of that stuff coming. I, I didn't expect that we'd see Phil Spencer get up there and drop the name and first look at the Xbox Series X. You know, I jumped out of my chair when when they put The Wolf Among Us 2 up there. I mean, you know, Telltale is dead and gone, so how are you making a sequel to one of the best underrated games that they that they made? Um, so I was, you know, there were a couple reveals that I thought were kind of crazy, out of the blue, unexpected, um, so it kept my attention for the full, you know, three hours or whatever it was. Um, I didn't have any technical issues either, Steve. That might, that might be some user error on your side. I don't know. Yeah, push but, uh, <laughs> it, it can be hard sometimes. I'm not here to judge. Uh, but, uh, no, I, I thought it ran fine. You know, we had it up on our, on our TV on the wall, just, uh, streaming through YouTube and it, it looked crisp. It looked clear. It looked good. Um, I have other concerns about Stadia, going back to the comment that you made there, but uh, that certainly seems like a dumpster fire uh, that just got pulled out into the public. But whole other conversation. My God, even the commercials for Stadia were just cringeworthy. Oh, it's so bad. Terrible. So bad. So bad. Now, 
if somebody can come up with something, and I'm really hoping that's what this whole project xCloud is that, that Microsoft's working on, where as I'm traveling, I could throw up a laptop or my iPad and pull out a controller and play a game right there on my, uh, you know, whatever device I have with me while I'm sitting in a hotel. Hey, that that's the future. I'm all for that. But this oh, yeah. whole Stadia thing, anyway, uh, we won't go down that road. But I thought well, the uh, video game awards were a lot of fun. Yeah, I was going to say um, that's definitely coming because I know um, when it comes to movies, they already have that ability where if you're watching a movie at home and then you pause the movie and, and you go out on the road and you you pull out, like, say, an iPad or phone or whatever, and you can resume that movie where you left off. Right, but you've got the uh, the delay piece, right? <clears throat> that, that's, that's the piece that scares me about the uh, about video games over the cloud and from the cloud. You know, movies can download, they can buffer onto your device and you can continue them where you're at. But if you're playing Mortal Kombat 11, for example, and there's even a two or three second milli or two or three millisecond lag between when you push the button on your controller and when, you know, the computer in Seattle registers it and pushes it back to your screen, then that game is unplayable at that point. Uh, So that's the piece I'm. I'm curious to see, and that time will come. I mean, the technology will be there, but I'm not sure Stadia is the the answer to to those prayers. Yeah, yeah. My thoughts on the Video Game Awards, um, I had a couple of them. One of them was, it was interesting how Jeff wasn't actually on the, the main stage like he normally has been in the past. He kind of had his own little right. platform that was like on the side. That was weird. And, um, yeah, well, I wasn't prepared for him to be there, but actually I liked it. I thought it was actually pretty cool because I think he's he's not as polished as, say, a host for the Oscars. And for it's, it's bizarre to me, like when he's up there, he kind of seems as though he's um, like a deer in the headlights sometimes. And I think he's gotten better over the years. But I think what's actually kind of cool is, is it, they've adopted kind of an esports approach to having the host be kind of on their own platform where it's uh, kind of perpendicular to the audience. And I kind of dig that because uh, for whatever reason, he just seems to be able to kind of go through his paces a bit more organically as opposed to when he's up on stage. I, I know since I missed like the the opening I don't know if he started out on the main stage or not. Did he? Was he on the main stage when the whole thing began? I don't. I think, rem- yeah, he said. I, he, I remember him saying hi to the audience on the main stage. On the main yeah. stage. Okay. Yeah. Because I was going to say, like, I think it'd be cool if he was on the main stage initially, and then have him uh, migrate to the the platform stage on the side and stuff. I th- I thought that was actually pretty sweet. Um, I do think he. I don't know if it's him or his crew, but. Um, there's always this undertone vibe of them trying to like get as quickly through each of the things as possible. And it makes me as a viewer kind of antsy because he, he's, he's kind of antsy where he's like, okay, the next thing, okay, the next right. thing, you know, it's like, okay, dude, just, just calm down and let's just go through this and have fun with it. You know, the re- part of the video game awards, in my opinion, is it's, it's a celebration of having all of this crazy raw talent come together and, you know, get awards for a job well done kind of thing. But I will say 
I think every year they do it, it gets better and better. Because this year was, was in my opinion, the best yet. So I thought. I, I would agree. Good, good on them for doing yeah, that. Yeah, but it, it's, and of it course, still ran three hours and 20 minutes. So even yeah. with them rushing it along, that was a long show. I do have a possible solution for that. And I think what they should do is utilize the commercial airspace for any kind of world premieres or announcements. Kind of like, like if you watch the Super Bowl and you see these amazing memorable commercials, or if you're watching the Oscars, oftentimes they'll have movie trailers that are being dropped for the very first time and it creates a lot of buzz. And I think that would probably shave down at least 30 minutes of what they were um, having to, to put up live on the stage and that sort of thing. They were still, th- that, that still happened though. They're like, oh, we'll be right back. And then they would show like a, right. a, a commercial for a game. But those weren't necessarily world premiere things of, of it wasn't like a first time look at something. I was thinking like if, if they could somehow turn the, the work, cause they had like during the show itself, world premiere is almost like a, like an E3 press conference of like something they're showing for the very first time. And I was thinking, well, how about if they were to move just those, those little items there into the commercial space itself? Because I know like, like for me, like I thought it was cool how all the commercials were video games, but I, what they were kind of repeating themselves over and over again. So I had started to lose interest, but I don't know. It was just an idea. The other thing too is of course, like what you guys mentioned, how Phil Spencer, excuse me, Phil Spencer came out, which I don't think anybody was anticipating him to show up on stage like that and reveal the, the next Xbox console, which I'm noticing online. It, they are already calling it the, uh, I think it's the XX or the Xbox sex. <laughs> Cause they are like shortening the series to S E and then just using the X at the end. So not sure if they, hilarious. Uh, had any anticipation of that happening when they were wordsmithing that little puppy. What happened to Project Scarlet? I mean, why? that can't be like the best name the entire Microsoft Xbox team thought of. Like, this is going to be the name of the system. What do you think, guys? Series X. I have no idea. I mean, we were even having a problem when they named the Xbox One X that particular right. name because they already had the S. And it's like, you guys, those two sound a whole lot right. like. And so you're going to start to cause consumer confusion with this. And now it's like Xbox series X, like you, you are a multi-billion dollar corporation. (laughs) Surely you can hire a branding company to be able to like give you a really, I mean, even Scarlet, the name Scarlet. This is actually, it's really funny. I have kind of a personal beef with code names, not being used as the actual names because oftentimes the code names are so cool. Like remember the Nintendo Katana? Yeah. Like that is such a cool name for a system. And then what was the Katana? Was it the, was I think it the GameCube? Game, no, Dolphin was, was Dolphin GameCube? I don't remember. Let's find out. Or was it, no, Katana. So I don't think, I don't think Katana was the N64. I think Katana was, golly, it was either, it was right around the GameCube time or it was the, the Wii but I thought that was such a cool name and they didn't use it. I was like, dang it. <laughs> and it was the same thing with um, the Xbox as well. Like Xbox Scarlet. It's like, Ooh, I kind of like the, the Scarlet name. And then there was, what was the one for so Xbox one? Katana, X? 
Scorpio. Oh, oh Scorpio. Project Scorpio, yeah. Like, again, I would love it if they called it the Xbox Scorpio. Right. But then they didn't. I'm like, what? Why so, would you Okay, here we that? go. So the, the internet helps <laughs> yeah. here. Dolphin became GameCube. According to this, Games Radar, Katana okay. was actually the Dreamcast. So oh. now oh. the original Xbox... Yeah, Dreamcast. Well, I actually like the name. The original Dreamcast. Xbox. The real name became much better than the project name. The project name was Mars with a Z, M A R Z, which stood for Microsoft. Hold, hold on, it was an acronym. Companies like acronyms. Yeah. Microsoft Active Reality Zone, <laughs> M A R Z. Ooh, and then the <laughs> yeah, the three sixty. That's right. The three sixty <laughs> was Xenon, X E N O N. Yeah, so Katana, I remember that. Yeah. You've, uh, yeah, that would have actually Sega Katana. That could have worked. Could have worked with that, but uh, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I, I I'm kind of I think on the other side of the fence from where you guys are at on the name. I actually like the name. I think what they're doing is they're leaning into Xbox. It's the Xbox. You go into a store and you go, "Hey, I want the new Xbox." Oh, you want the Series X? To me, it it almost. It, it reminds me of what Apple does. It reminds me of what Mercedes does. I mean, go ahead, name a couple Mercedes, you know, vehicles. And does the name do anything to describe what they are? No, you're buying a Mercedes. You like that one. Um, so. <laughs> Actually, it does. If you, ha- I, it way does. As if you're driving the, a C-Class, someone who has an S-Class is going to be like, yeah, you don't have the same car as me. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> like, no way. So, so when I when I'm playing the Series X, my Series X is going to be better than your Series S, which is sure to be. You know, they're going to come out with a bunch of different, you know, Xbox Series D. This is the one without the disc drive. You know, um, so I think they're just leaning into the Xbox name, and I don't. I like it. I'm good with it. I wish they. There's too many X's. Uh, for me, like I, w- I wish that they would have come up. I, I don't know. I, I think the Xbox, like, like maintaining the name Xbox, I think that's the key. And then having fun with other names. Um, I don't know. This is my opinion on it, but I, I, I really do like when people get a bit creative with that. And, and of course, PlayStation, they did, they went with a numerical value, and that works fine. It's like PS One, PS. You know, they're, they they're keeping the PlayStation name. And then they they have a numerical value, which obviously makes it easy to know which system you're you're talking about. But um, when it comes to Hellblade Two, I want to know what your guys's reaction was in terms of uh, the trailer that they showed. Brad, go ahead. Uh, all right, I uh, man, that game looked amazing just from a visual standpoint. Um, you know, we had it up on the big screen sitting at the dinner table. My wife goes, is that a game? Yeah, that, that's, that's for the new Xbox. And she's like, no, she goes, no, that, that's, that's actors. That can't be a game. There's no way they've gotten fire and facial animations and everything looking that good. Um, so I was impressed from a technical standpoint with the, uh, the visuals of the game and overall what it looks like. Um, I'm curious to see the game itself. That is one that's in my backlog. I haven't played the first Hellblade. Uh, it's been sitting there for 
I feel awful saying this, two years meaning to play that one and have just never gotten around to it. But I visually, it impressed me. It excited me about the power potential of the next generation of consoles. Yeah. What about you, Steve? Well, yeah, from a technical standpoint, it I would have to agree. Although, since I watched you play Hillblade a little bit, I didn't really get into the game, so I kind of... And I haven't really heard anything on the internet about people talking about, like, that's, you know, like, the game to watch people Twitch or, you know, on Mixer or... Uh, I just heard, haven't heard any of my friends talk about it, so uh, at least from my uh, pool, it didn't seem like that was a game that drove a lot of intense excitement and so for them to go yeah and here's hellblade that's not very exciting i thought "Mm, okay uh i'll watch it sure you know um i would say that in the past people say oh this is it this is in-game footage we are showing you the the game engine that we are using and this is it and then it turns out that that's not it so i mean phil spencer did say that it's credible, but I do have my concerns. I mean, if that's the way the in-game looks, that's going to be nutso. But um, usually when you see an in-game footage, they're showing you, you know, if you, this is your life meter, here, the camera's right behind the character. You there's know, some there's some kind see- of HUD. Exactly, yeah. and we didn't see any of that. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see when it comes out. I just wasn't a big fan of the game, and so I, I, I was amazed at the technical aspect, but I thought something else might have been uh, more exciting. Yeah, so I've, I haven't beaten Hellblade. It's actually a pretty hard game. I'll have to return to it and see if I can get through it all the way. The game itself was, um, it, it was at the time, it was considered more of an independent game, and so I think that's why it, it didn't necessarily have the, the mass acclaim like some of these other more mainstream titles have, but it was a graphics tour de force. That was the one where people, you played it and you're just like, my goodness, this is amazing. So it made sense that they would use that for, as kind of like a little teaser for the Xbox series X. And uh, for me, I'm, I'm right there with you guys. I, I, I think that if we, if that is to be believed and I'm a jaded man, <laughs> I'm, I'm here to tell you there have been so many times in the past where a studio claims that what we are seeing is in-game footage or, or the, we're using the game engine itself. And then when I get that game in my greasy, sweaty palms and I pop it in there, it is uh, less than what was shown at the, the actual press conference itself. So I am holding my excitement for when I actually put that game in and begin playing it and see if it, uh, if it does in fact regret, because when, when Phil was talking, the way that he described it as it applied to the game engine, it was very carefully worded in a way that made my yellow flag shoot up where it's like, so you're not saying this is like exactly game footage. Like this isn't real time game graphics. What you're saying is this is a benchmark of what you want the Xbox Series X to be like. So I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm kind of going back and forth with it. But like, but if it is, in fact, what we can expect, I'm very excited about that right there. And and honestly, it makes me think about uh, one of the, the, the topics of conversation that I've had with both of you, which is um, as games get more realistic and you have games that are rated mature and that sort of thing. Um, the, the violent side of things, man, it, it's, 
I wonder what I will be able to stand and what I won't be able to to take on because it's either too scary or it's too violent or whatever. Because, I mean, even that, that was just like some sort of Nordic Viking chant thing that they were doing. But I'm like, dude, this is this is pretty intense. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was hoping they would show Halo Infinite because they showed that at E3. It gave us a little glimpse and if they said, or if Phil Spencer said, okay, this is what in-game footage is going to be like on this system. And then they, they continued where they left off basically from E3 and showed us how Halo Infinite is going to play, like actual game footage of Halo Infinite, that would have been setting the place on fire. I think they were probably going to be waiting until E3 to show off that. Because that's like their flagship title. They want to be able to hit it with a bang. And honestly, him even being at the Game Awards, I think was a surprise into itself that we actually had the kind of press announcement that he gave. So. Yeah, I think the announcement piece absolutely was. I mean, the good news is they did confirm that Halo Infinite is coming out next holiday for the Xbox Series X. So we know that game will be there either at launch or shortly after. So it's coming. It's coming. And yeah, I'm, I'm sure that we will be getting a full blitz of advertising and marketing as we move into 2020 here. So are you saying holiday is supposed to be Christmas or is holiday supposed to be Thanksgiving or, or what are you saying holiday is actually <laughs> so, supposed to be? So you, what's want me, mean? you want me to give you the exact <laughs> release date of the Xbox I'm, I'm, Series I'm, X I, for I next don't year. Think I, I don't think I asked that question. I said it when he says holiday, what does that mean to you? So Labor Day. What holiday means no. to me is the October, November timeframe of next year. So traditionally after Madden comes out, we start moving into the holiday season of games. I would be willing to bet uh, if I were a, if I were guessing, I would say something around uh, November 3rd or November 10th is when I would expect new consoles to drop. I would say it would be on the 7th just because Microsoft seems to like the number. Yeah, seven. they don't do Saturdays, though. It's always a Tuesday for console releases. Oh, so that doesn't fall on a Tuesday. So the 7th yeah, is a Saturday. Is so that would be that would be a Nintendo move. Nintendo drops consoles on Sundays. Um, so I'm expecting save your pennies because you'll be buying a PS5 and a Series X sometime in late October, early November next year. They're going to want those out in time for people to get them in their homes and do their, their holiday shopping. So segueing off of that into um, the games that actually won at video game, uh, or excuse me, at the video game awards. Uh, I, for one, am very like surprised and thrilled. I actually jumped up off the couch when they announced the, what, what the best game of the year was. I did not think that Sekiro was going to beat out some of the, uh, the other folks that were in the running. We had control death stranding, super smash brothers, ultimate resident evil two and the outer worlds. And Seeing that all of a sudden win, I was like, what the heck? Like, that, that is insane that that game actually beat. Of course, that game uh, is a game that I hold very close to my my heart of hearts and my cockles. It's uh, it's amazing. But uh, were you guys surprised at all when, when you saw that? Like, were you anticipating that, like, perhaps Death Stranding or Control would have beaten it? Nah. No? Nah. I, I could have argued for any of the any of the nominated games. Nothing, 
they all seemed real close this year. They did. And, and in fact, actually, I thought it was interesting how best game direction went to Death Stranding. So Mr. Kojima was able to go up and win an award. But of course, like, you know, like the Oscars, you have best director and then you have best picture. And he didn't end up going home with game of the year. And I, in a way, I'm glad that the awards got distributed the way they did in that regard, just because I think Death Stranding, even though I haven't beaten the game, I've been playing it more and more now. And I think it is a very risky venture that Kojima decided to do, but I, I can see where there are elements to it that I think help to push game development as an industry into new territory. So I thought that that was, that was well-deserved. Um, were there any other types of um, categories for you guys that you were either surprised about or, or that you found to be interesting? I know for me, another one was the fighting game award because we've had a number of um, really great fighting games that have come out over the last two years. And um, what was interesting for, for me was of course, you know, you had um, dead or alive six, um, Jump Force, which I have not played. Have you played that, Brad? I have not. Okay. I have not. It's not my... That's not my thing. I haven't even really... I don't even think I've heard of Jump Force. That one got by me. Yeah. Um, but Mortal Kombat 11 was in there. Samurai Showdown, you know, the remake of Samurai Showdown. And then Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. And I was shocked how Super Smash Brothers beat out all of these other contenders in Best Fighting Game. I, actually, I wasn't surprised. I, have, I haven't played Super, Super Smash Brothers, but I got the feeling when that when that game was nominated, it was going to be Super Smash Brothers. Really? Yes, it did. I could have put money on it. I didn't because I don't have any. But uh, <laughs> if I'm I broke, <laughs> if I was a betting man, I would have got lucky that night. What about Brad? Have you played that game? Yeah, Smash Brothers. I have. I have. So it's good. I mean, it, it's if you get a good group of folks together and you're all playing, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. So it's not See, a thought, strong it's not a strong technical fighter. I mean you just you know, it always feels more like a button masher, but I'm sure somebody who's actually good at the game would would disagree with me there. You you definitely have um a, a substantial amount of characters to choose from. I thought that was one of the big draws. I actually plan on purchasing that game. There's a number of Switch titles that I, I want to get, and uh, that is definitely one of them and I don't know. Honestly, I thought Mortal Kombat 11 was going to be the king just because everybody who played the game absolutely adores it. And it's such a well executed game. And of course, for me, I've always been a big fan of Dead or, of the Dead or Alive series. And I'm glad that Dead or Alive 6 has done what it's done. But at the same time, I knew just going into it that Dead or Alive 6 really hasn't broken a whole lot of new ground necessarily. Like, like they have made certain adjustments and whatnot, but Mortal Kombat 11, they actually kind of um, introduced some new gameplay mechanics overall um, to the fighting that did not exist in Mortal Kombat 10. And so that seems to have been embraced by the, the fighting community. But aside from that, were there other um, categories from, for you guys that you were surprised about or that you, that you liked? No, not particularly. Yeah, I, I thought the ongoing game, you could have argued a couple different ways, you know, between Apex, Destiny 2, Final Fantasy uh, 14, 
Fortnite and Rainbow Six Siege. I thought all five of those brought something cool to the table from an ongoing game standpoint. Um, not surprised to see Fortnite take the take the title there. Uh, it was nice to see Apex get the best multiplayer game. Uh, definitely enjoy some some Apex Legends time. But no, I, I thought overall a lot of great games got recognized and did a nice job throughout the year. You know, with regards to Apex Legends, it was really neat to see Vince and some of his team go up and accept that award because I feel as though uh, Respawn Entertainment has been on fire lately. I think that once they made the the migration over to EA and of course they came out with Titanfall and then they made Titanfall 2 and then they made Apex Legends and I believe from there they made Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Am I missing anything else that they did? Titanfall, Titanfall 2, Apex, and then Fallen Order. Yeah, that's it. And when you think about it, they really haven't been um, a company that long. You know, Respawn really hasn't been in existence for, for too long, but yet they've come out with hit after hit, and I think it speaks really highly of that particular development team, and especially considering the fact that um, each of these games is you know, notably different from each other. And it makes me look forward to seeing what else they got coming down the pipe. I agree. I agree. I think they've done a great job with everything they've put out there. It'll be interesting to see because they were acquired by EA, what, about a year ago, a year and a half ago at this point. So it'll be interesting to see what the long-term plans are with EA. EA doesn't necessarily have the best track record of acquiring studios and letting them do their thing. But it seems like Respawn so far has been a different uh, different answer than what they've done with some of the other studios they've acquired. Now, just quickly, I know that IGN gave Control uh, Game of the Year as opposed to the Game Awards, which gave it to Sekiro. Um, so I feel as though this is a great opportunity for us to go into our topic of the day, which is our favorite games of 2019. The way this is going to work is just like we did last year. It's going to be a round robin. So I thought it would be nice to start off with Steve and then go to Brad and then I'll go and we'll each take turns starting with our number five pick, give a brief explanation as to why we chose that. And then we'll make our way up through four, three, two, and our number one favorite top pick for 2019. So Steve, (laughs) would you please kick us off? I have my fifth pick as Gears of War 5. Gears of 5, 4 or 5. 5 by 5? Yes, sir. So uh, if you have been paying attention, I haven't been that much of a fan of the Gears of War series because in every game that kind of comes out, it's always the same. It's like, okay, we're here. Oh my gosh, there's more enemies coming? Are you serious? Yes, let's hide behind something and shoot them. Okay, moving on. Up, oh, more enemies? Let's, you know, you know, so on and so forth. Yes, this game was more of the same, but I felt like there was, uh, it, it took off from, from Gears of War 4. Gears of War 4 was kind of boring, in my opinion, to play, to watch. Uh, I didn't think the graphics were that great. Um, I think that Gears of War 5, the story was better. I thought the graphics were better. I thought the sound was better. Um, there was a room to approve. Yes, there was. But it got me back on the Gears of War train. Well, 
Very surprised to hear that indeed. And you're right, Gears of War 5 has um, a, a splendid graphics engine. And I was actually really impressed with uh, where they took the story. And uh, some of the actual gameplay mechanics got them away from the whack-a-mole that you described. Right. Popping up and heading down. So very nice. Bradley, what is your number five? You know, it's funny. I, I strongly debated the Gears of War 5 at my number five. It actually ended up coming in six for me, so I won't be talking <laughs> any more Gears tonight. But uh, number five, edged out slightly, was uh, Life is Strange 2. So episodes two, three, four, and five all came out this year, so I'm throwing it on this year's list. Darn it. Um, so Life is Strange. I loved the first game and the spinoff that they made for the first game. Second game, whole new character, similar mechanics, but basically it's a story adventure game. You're following two brothers, Sean and Daniel, who are um, basically something tragic happens up in Seattle and they're trying to get down to Mexico. So it's it's a brotherly road trip with some... Uh, some supernatural type elements or superhero elements, if you will. And just a fantastic cast of characters. The way the game ended just totally resonated with me. So depending on how you play throughout the game, the ending will vary. And the very last moment I was just, my, my jaw was on the ground. I was happy and disappointed and emotional and just everything at the same time going, but, but, but. So I put that at my number five. Interesting, and I think, if I recall correctly, wasn't Life is Strange Part One? Wasn't that your top pick last year? No, my top pick last year was uh, Dead Cells. Um, Dead God, Cells. I love okay. that game. Um, no, Episode One of Life is Strange Two had just come out. I put that on my list. I think it was four or five last year, but uh, the majority of the game came out this year. Episode one was fine or was good. Episode two kind of lulled a little bit. So I actually held off till the rest of the series came out. And then I played through three, four and five, you know, kind of at the same time. And, and that seemed to be the way to go. But uh, I missed the characters from the original Life is Strange, but don't nod. The developer on it does a fantastic job. And I, I, I those characters will stay with me for quite some time. Nice. Well, my number five pick was Resident Evil 2 Remake. And for me, I think that this was a really neat venture that Capcom decided to move forward with when the, when the news had broke that they were making a remake of this title. I actually was very excited and interested to see how they would handle it just because the original Resident Evil 2 is a highly regarded classic game. And at the time, it really pushed the benchmark in terms of graphics fidelity as well as the gameplay and that sort of thing. And they were able to push what they had kind of played with in the first Resident Evil game and really see like what they could do with it. And so for them to come out with a remake where they not only remade the game, but they also translated everything into more of a, a dedicated 3D space I was very impressed with their game engine as well as, as how it all came together. And I think it, it brought up the notion that there are games from the past that are very solid in terms of their storytelling as well as their gameplay mechanics. And I think oftentimes people tend to forget about like how, you know, a gameplay mechanic 
is timeless. It is not necessarily, um, you know, regulated to like only being, oh, it's, it's, it was during this time period and that's the only time it's ever going to work. And I think that this is proof in the pudding that like you can pull out a gameplay mechanic like that, dust it off, maybe give it a little bit of an augmentation or tweak, and then it'll be just as relevant in today's world as it was like, you know, 20 years ago or 30 years ago. I don't even remember when it came out. It was a while ago, but I was very impressed with it. And it makes me excited that they did actually officially confirm that they are making Resident Evil 3 remake, which is actually going to be coming out in February of 2020. So kudos to Capcom on that. Steve, what is your number four pick? Well, it's interesting to say that, Russ. Um, I chose the Outer Worlds as my numero quattro. So this was the game I was just going to pass on by. I was like, I, mean, I saw the preview. I was like, yeah, that looks okay. You know, I'll see how it is. You know, whatever. I'll wait till you get it and spend top dollar. And uh, <laughs> and then maybe I'll pick it up. And then it was on. That's what I was about to say, Brad. Thanks for taking it right out of my mouth. So then it was on Game Pass. And I was like, okay, I'll go ahead and get this. Gave you the sales pitch. Aren't so, you glad you bit it? Thank you, Microsoft. And so, yes, I, I got it, and no, I have not beat it yet, but it's got my curiosity through the roof. Uh, so it's kind of like, I mean, to me, it reminds me a lot of Borderlands. I don't know if it reminds anybody else of Borderlands, but... A little bit. A little bit, um, maybe not as crazy of humor, you know, how people are running at you with their head on fire. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, the ability to customize your weapons and your armor, and I think it, the, a lot of the dialogue is pretty funny and clever. Um, I like how you, you're able. It's it's free roam. You can talk to anybody. Um, they put a lot of time into that too. I, I I really appreciate a lot of different aspects of the game, and I am all for a sci-fi space exploration RPG. And that's exactly how, how it is. So, did you beat that game yet? Not yet. No. Okay. Easy. In progress. Right. Bradley, what is your number four? My pick? number four pick is Borderlands Three. Funny timing with Steve commenting oh, yeah. on Borderlands. Um, Borderlands 3 is, hey, guess what? More Borderlands, which is fine, because there's nothing wrong with a good old-fashioned afternoon of Borderlands. So, no, it's exactly what I expected. Some cool new worlds, crazy characters, lots and lots of shooting and lots of fun guns. So I did, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed that game. I'm looking forward to the new DLC hidden early 2020 and uh yeah number four on my list was borderlands three did you beat that game yet of course of course and I I know, it's probably played... a stupid question i figured i'd ask <laughs> <laughs> I, I i guess i should say that every game on my list i have completed um, excellent there were actually outer worlds i i most of the way done with outer worlds i didn't put it on my list because i haven't finished it um but uh yeah everything on my list i have completed i wanted to Make sure that I'd actually played all the way through it. Um, but no, I. Yeah, Borderlands is Borderlands. It's exactly what you expect. So not a bad thing. Exactly. Yeah, it's That's a the perfect food. way to say it. it. It's biscuits and gravy, macaroni and cheese and chili. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. My number four was Dead or Alive Six. And so the, for those of you who know me, I've always been a big fan of the series of Dead or Alive. And it's always been great for me personally to be able to see 
how the, the game has progressed, the, the, the new characters that have been introduced, as well as some of the new gameplay mechanics that they have also uh, put into the game over the years. And of course, this is a no exception. I, I was I was anticipating that they would come out with a, a six just because Dead or Alive 5, I think originally, or I should say initially, came out on just the PS4 and then eventually it made its way onto Xbox. And uh, so when Dead or Alive 6 came out, I was curious to see what all they had in it. Um, one of the things that I think is, I will say, a bit of a bummer. This is not um, limited to just Dead or Alive, but a lot of the, the fighting games that have been coming out as of late have been doing kind of this paywall structure where they will, in, they will intentionally leave out certain characters. Uh, or certain levels with the idea that they will be part of these DLC drops that they do and will charge extra money for. And so Dead or Alive is, is uh, of course, in that, that bunch where if I were playing Dead or Alive 5, I would have all these different characters and they were uh, missing initially Dead or Alive 6. But since that time, they have started to drop them in for $2.99 here, $5.99 there, that sort of thing. And so... It's, it's a little bit unfortunate, but other than that, uh, I really find the game to be extremely fun. It's, it's actually a very deep fighter, especially when you go from, from character to character. I love the idea of having reversals where if someone is trying to do like a, ju a juggle combo on you and, and you're just not hitting the blocks at the right times, that sort of thing, you can actually, instead of block, you can reverse what someone's doing and, and immediately turn the, the the tide, so to speak, turn the tide, turn the tide. Um, so then all of a sudden you have the initiative and can, can do your string of, of fights as well. And um, they have other aspects to it as well in terms of if, if you're doing a tag team mode, that's always a lot of fun. And they've introduced the idea of armor breaking. In fact, this is actually um, not exclusive to Dead or Alive. They have this in Soul Calibur as well, where like if you're able to pull off a certain type of powerful move, you can actually break parts of, of the armor and then suddenly they're more weaker in those areas if you continue to attack those places. So I, for one, am very happy that Dead or Alive 6 was released. And that is my number four pick. Steve, what is your number three pick? Well, Russ, I'm going to kick it back to Resident Evil 2. <laughs> now, uh, I chose Resident Evil 2 because uh, the Resident Evil 2 game, when it first came out, was uh, more of a favorite than the first one was. I really enjoyed the first one, played it through probably about six times from start to finish. And then I was completely tired of the mansion. I was like, get me out of here. I'm done. Like, I don't even want to play it. I played it again on the GameCube, and it was really good on GameCube. Actually, mm -hmm. I think that, I don't know if it was this, if it was the same game or it was like, okay, we're going back to the mansion or something else. But Resident Evil 1 for the GameCube was pretty friggin' sweet. Anyhow, Resident Evil 2, I thought at the time, what would be better is if they had it in an, actually, in, an actual Raccoon City, because that would be nuts. I mean, what would happen? Like, and then they, they came out with the game, and it's in Raccoon City, and I'm like, yes! And then they gave me everything I wanted in the game. Fast forward to today, when they remade the game, I thought this is going to be reliving the entire game all over again. And it was, and with a lot more thrills, and a lot more scares, and a lot more cursing. And <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, actually, it's really funny you um, mentioned that, because, what is it, Chris? Chris Redfield? No, it was uh, no, Leon. Leon. 
Leon was, uh, yeah, he had a bit of a potty mouth yeah, in this one. It was pretty funny how, like, he would just, it was funny because the, the algorithm in the game would cause him to cuss at kind of random <laughs> points. You're like, I, no one would say that at that point. Yeah. yeah. Or you're almost no, towards the game. He's like, what is that? I'm like, dude, you've killed like 200 of those by now. You don't, you shouldn't have to say that. <laughs> Anyhow, so. It's part um, of the game's charm. Yeah. Anyhow, I love the game and uh, it looks incredible and it brought back 100% of the magic that I had when playing it the first time through and I can't wait for Resident Evil 3. Very good. Bradley, what is your number three pick? Sitting at number three on my list this year is Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, as we talked oh. a little bit about earlier. So amazing great action game it's there, there's something about throwing stormtroopers off the side of cliffs or pulling them towards you and putting them into their own bolt, blaster bolt and then throwing them off a cliff it just never gets old so uh i was hopeful as the game was was coming up close to release and then all of a sudden there was uh you know they, they pulled the ea access 10-hour demo they didn't put reviews of the game out until the day before, and I got a little bit nervous, but uh, really excited to see how good that game is. The moment at the end literally made me scream with, with have a joygasm, if you will. I haven't beat it yet, Brad. I'm not going to spoil anything for you. <laughs> okay, but, uh, I had to stop you. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that You really do need to play that game. It is I really, am, really good. I, I, okay, I just finished the game, yes. <laughs> yeah, that, that moment okay, at nervous. the end, and <laughs> you'll know. You'll know when you get there, Steve. Sorry, it, uh, I, sorry, I had to cut you off. Yeah, you know, you know the part where Jar Jar Binks comes out. And it turns out he was a stormtrooper all along. Weezy, weezy, weezy. You are red, mommy. <laughs> so there, there's actually sorry, man. Sidetrack for a second. Today's Mandalorian is one of the better. I actually thought it was one of the best episodes of the series so far. And there oh. is there is a Gungan joke in there that just made me laugh a little bit. Uh, but uh, anyway, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Much like you guys feel on the Xbox Series X has an awful title that just doesn't roll off the tongue quite right, but the Agreed. game makes up for it. It is a blast. Uh, once you get past the fact that the main actor was the Joker on Gotham, and every time you look at him, you just expect him to do a Joker grin. Uh, that, that's a great game. Every Star Wars fan or action adventure fan should absolutely pick up Jedi Fallen Order and play it. Well, Bradley, you and I are thinking alike in this one because my number three pick is also Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. So we're going to talk about it a little bit longer. Uh, when it comes to it, I totally agree with everything you just said. I think for me, it was interesting because the character that you play is not particularly interesting at first. And I, when it comes to the characters around him, though, they were all very intriguing to me and the main character that you play kind of grows on you over time to the point where there is something that I will not spoil but there is a certain event that transpires where suddenly you completely understand where he comes from but but more than that I really enjoyed and appreciated how this game captured the essence of Star Wars and what I mean by that is as you play the game, you really do get the sensation that you are 
engaging and living and breathing in the the ecosystem, the galaxy that is Star Wars. And the last time I felt that was probably in the movie Rogue One. Because in that movie, if you recall, Steve, when we were reviewing that film, I was saying how one of the, the best qualities about it was the idea that like as it cut from planet to planet to planet and there were just things that were rapidly going on, I, I for one really felt as though this was a, a connected world. All these different things were happening simultaneously and we were just like lucky enough to kind of look at what's happening all at once. And I think that, that really played well with the pacing of that film. And I feel as though Respawn was, was successful in bringing that into their game where as you go further and further into the game and you're introduced to more of the planets and more of the characters and that sort of thing, you realize how, wow, like there is no Luke Skywalker or Han Solo or Leia or Chewbacca or any of those, those characters that we've come to know and love from the original trilogy. Yet, because this game takes place between episodes three and four, they still, they were they were successful in making it feel as though we were living during that same time frame as that original trilogy, even though we weren't necessarily on Tatooine or Endor or any of those those classic planets. We were on other planets that existed and coexisted in that same galaxy, and I think that's a very hard thing for game developers in the past to be able to pull off, where you feel as though you are 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 uh, you're participating in this world and i think um obviously a big part of that has to do with the art direction i think that when it comes to the environments the environments are one of the stars of the, of the show so to speak when it comes to the game i was really blown away by the environments and the draw distances and the sense of scale and Star Wars is known. I mean, that's one of the pillars, I feel like, of Star Wars. It's just if you if you have that sense of scale where you're just like, man, this is larger than life. This is crazy. But that it also flows organically in a visual sense. Then you have yourself a hit. That plus the audio, which, I mean, I know you're a big fan of Steve. And I believe you are too, Brad, when it comes to the game, uh, both from a musical, like a score standpoint, as well as the sound effects they were on their A game. It was amazing to me listening to the music that that was there because that was completely original score music with the exception of the intentional like Star Wars-esque themes that they they clearly pulled in from the films. But that was very that was very few and far between. It was very uh, sparse in terms of, of, of putting it into the game. I could go on and on about this, but I'm gonna stop. <laughs> Steve, what is your Just number? Was, what was that, Brad? <laughs> I was going to say, just wait till you get to number one. We're going to go another 45 minutes, okay? Oh, I know. I, I have to, like, stop myself. I'm like, wait a minute. Uh, so, Steve. <laughs> there is a time limit. There is. <laughs> okay, my number two, Russ. I know that's what you were going to say. You're going to be surprised. Sort of. So, <laughs> a resounding maybe. A resounding if. So, my number two is Call of Duty. Really? Yeah. I would not have guessed. So when we were talking about uh, Call of Duty Battle Royale, I was totally off the wagon. I thought this game was made for a certain crowd. I get it. I'm not of that crowd. And therefore, I'm not going to really participate in it because I just don't find it fun. Other people do. And that's freaking fantastic. <laughs> I just don't. So as soon as they heard me speak, 
<clears throat> they changed gears <laughs> and gave us a wonderful story and wonderful sound. And I was, I'm, I'm playing it, and I started thinking, my gun's kind of cool. I like the way it looks. I like the way it sounds. I like the way he reloads it. All this other stuff that I wanted from other previous Call of Duties. And actually, no, I, I, I yeah, I, I did get from other Call of Duties, but lately haven't. It all came back, and I'm like, yes, this is the Call of Duty I want. This is the Call of Duty I want to continue to play, and I'm back on board. Similar to my, my, my Gears of, of War 5. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Very interesting. Bradley, what is your number two pick? My number two is Luigi's Mansion 3 for the Nintendo Switch. Oh, yeah. So, no, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, I know. Steve, you're such a big Switch fan. Uh, no, man. I... <laughs> <laughs> I played through this game in a way that I haven't played through a game in years. I, I, over the course of one weekend, put about 12 or 14 hours into it, played it start to finish, and my God, it is just fun. It is a, it's a fun game. You're going through different floors of a hotel, and each floor kind of has a different theme. So you might have one floor that's a, a movie studio, and then you have another floor that's the gym, and so every floor kind of has its own little theme to it, and man, I just, I had a big old smile on my face the entire time I played through the game. The only thing that kept it from being number one on my list was that the controls are just not as tight as they need to be. There are a couple bosses in there that really require a level of precision that the, uh, the controls don't aren't really designed for so kind of the polar opposite of, of call of duty where everything feels nice and tight and snappy um that's the only negative to luigi's mansion 3 but man i had a great time playing through that game and would highly recommend it to anybody who just wants to have a good time and put a big old smile on their face so that's my yeah, number i two. do want to pick that up yeah it's it's worth it that's what definitely that- I need to get that, Link's Awakening, and uh, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Those are the three that... Yeah, L- uh, Link's Awakening barely missed my list, but uh, anyway. So, what about you, Russ? What do you have at number two? So, number two, uh, I'll actually be a lot more brief than my last entry because I have yet to beat the game. However, the game has made a tremendous impact on me so far, and that is Control. The game Control by Remedy Studios. I've always been a big fan of Remedy um, with their previous titles, and so this is no different in terms of of the quality of storytelling. I am only about 30% into the game itself. I have a long ways to go, but I'm already uh, very struck by the approach of the story as well as the the art direction. You can tell they've taken a number of different approaches to how this game is presented and I for one am very much looking forward to in fact I'll probably uh, pick it back up and resume it over the next week or two here but from what I'm seeing and from um, what I've experienced thus far I can see why IGN gave it uh, the game of the year this particular year but for me it was not the top pick no matter how close it gets. <laughs> so that is my number two pick. Steve, yeah. we have reached the numero uno. <clears throat> Will you please tell us what your top pick for 2019 is? Well, we're going to have to rewind yet again. It looks like I'm favoring some games higher than you are, Russ. 
I am going to say Star Wars is my number one pick. You're kidding. I am not kidding. You're talking about Jedi Fallen Order. <laughs> no, the yeah. other Star Wars game. Wow. I am. So, I, yeah. <laughs> I, don't I know. I'm, I'm shocked because <laughs> he hasn't hardly played it. Well, uh, it might be that I'm starving. I'm famished for quality Star Wars. And Brad, I know that you and I don't see eye to eye on this, and that's okay. But I am, I'm, I haven't necessarily been that big of a fan of the, the, late, the latter, the later Star Wars movies. And I, I just need some, some good old fashioned Star Wars. I need, I need to feel like, I don't need to be Luke, but I want to feel like I'm in the world. I want to hear the music. I want to be a part of the, the action. And it seems like this is the game that's given it to me. When I popped it in, you know, I'll, I'll, let me pause there for a second. When I watched the preview, I actually wasn't all that excited. I thought, okay, this doesn't look, I mean, yeah, it's Star Wars, okay, but the jury's still out. And I don't know, I didn't really know what to say. And then I threw it in and started to play. And then I forgot I had a family. <laughs> um, I was like, do I have company over? I don't even know because the way the level plant panned out with the music and the movies and the fighting and I mean everything else, I was a hundred percent on board and my goodness. Yes, I'm not done with it yet. Yes, I'm gonna take my friggin' time because I wanna explore. I wanna look I wanna look at everything. I'm I'm part of this world and I love it. And so therefore, um, yeah, you know, I'm I'm, I'm gonna say that's my number one. I like the pause Brad? after you said that was your number one. Everybody What's just went silent. Your... <laughs> it's, like, it's like, no, that should have been like, your number three like us. You can't you anyway. No, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you're not, like, we're not. It, it's interesting because this year I, I know for a fact we're going to have three different number ones. Last year, you, you two were both uh, red dead for number one. So kind of fun. It just shows, you know, as I was right. making my list, man, I, I had eight or nine games that I wrote down and I'm like, man, I could argue any one of these for number one or number nine, depending on my mood. Um, so my number one, I'm just oh, in shock over it, here. <laughs> I didn't mean a good job. I'm just in shock that he picked well, that see, as number one. We had, you know, Russ and I had talked, Steve, and we, we both pegged you for resident evil two as your number one. So when you dropped yes. that at three, I'm like, <laughs> okay, what did we miss? Cause I didn't think of call of duty, but call of duty was amazing. <laughs> That's another great call. I didn't even think about that one. Um, but no, that's cool. So anyway, so uh, without further ado, at number one, I initially wrote down Assassin's Creed Odyssey because I put like 150 hours into it. Then I went, that's cheating because that came out in 2018. So, yes, but man, that was the, that was the game I put the most time into this year. But uh, my number one is Russ's number two, Control. I was hooked from the moment the game opens. I love I'm a sucker for a game that just has, or even a movie, that just has like a mysterious opening. So in this one, you walk into what is essentially like an FBI building, and there is nobody there. That was it. That's all I needed, and I was hooked. I wanted to see where it goes. It met the, you know, the remedy formula. It was an Alan Wake meets X-Files meets Twin Peaks. I mean, you even had the actor who played Alan Wake as the... Uh, as the crazy scientist as you're watching videos. Um, 
And really what solidified this game to me as the number one of the year, and you'll get there towards the end, Russ, it's called the Ashtray Maze. And you will know the moment when it happens because it is just, you're, you're going to have a blast. It is probably my gaming moment of the year was the Ashtray Maze segment. Um, so all in all, I love the story. I can't wait to see what they do next with Control. The acting was phenomenal. The music, the atmosphere, everything about it uh, pushed that to my number one favorite game of 2019. So very nice. Yeah. So Russell, I, I guess uh, anybody who's listened to Joygasm over the last six months probably could guess what you're going to say next. But what's your number one for the year? <laughs> <laughs> Tetris. No. Uh, hey, Tetris ninety nine no, was a good game, but anyway, it <laughs> was. Uh, had you columns? Ah! <laughs> okay. Not as good. So yeah, this this is probably no surprise to anyone. And just to Brad's point, I have talked about this game quite a bit this year, um, and with good reason. My number one pick for 2019 is Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. This was the first time I had played a From Software title, and I had heard about the Dark Souls series. And I'd heard about Bloodborne, and I was kind of put off by it just because I'd heard how difficult the games are. And it was intentionally hard. Like, it was almost like this badge of honor or something where you had a certain population of the gaming community that really loved just how difficult those games are. And uh, and so I just never really got into it. And then... I saw this game debut at, at, at a previous E3 and I was struck immediately by the art direction on it as well as it, it's, a, it's a ninja game and both of you guys know I'm a sucker for ninja games. I've always been a huge fan of uh, Ninja Gaiden and Revenge of Shinobi as well as um, Tenchu and, and some others. but. One of the things that got me particularly excited was that I discovered that the game director for this was actually the same game director for Tenchu and the Tenchu series. So I knew there would be some of the same sensibilities of Tenchu probably that would be implemented into Sekiro. And there was. there. It wasn't obviously a carbon copy or anything like that. But uh, just the idea of stealth attacks mixed in with kind of a Dark Souls approach to um, the combat. And I was, um, I mean, let me, let me tell you, this game made me so angry. I, I don't think I've ever been more angry at a video game than when I was playing this. But for some reason, there was a hook to the game that just, it, it, it immediately hooked me. And even when I wasn't playing the game and I was stewing and, and just being absolutely pissed, I could not stop thinking about it. And I was always compelled to come back to play more. And I eventually was able to conquer different types of bosses I came across. But in terms of the world, I absolutely love how well-defined this world is in terms of it being ancient feudal Japan and it being mixed in with kind of more of the mystical supernatural elements and just all the things that I, I have come to know and love about this genre of game. And uh, I, when I was able to finally beat the game, there was such a, a sense of accomplishment. And it felt good knowing that I had 
beaten my very first From Software title because all of these titles are extremely difficult. And uh, yeah, it, it was, what was interesting too, you know, it's talking about the art direction. The graphics themselves, even though they were decent, they were not on the same level as say like Gears 5. But for some reason, the world was so well realized and everything fits so well in terms of the art direction that I didn't care at all. I didn't mind what was going on. And of course the skill tree, uh, which has been kind of copied by Star Wars uh, Jedi Fallen Order, was also really fun to be able to slowly um, build up your character and have the freedom to choose what kind of um, skill points you spend, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, overall, I, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to seeing, I'm hoping that they will have a sequel to Sekiro. I'm sure that they will have it eventually. Just looking at Dark Souls, they have Dark Souls 1, 2, and 3. And I'm sure they'll have another Bloodborne game for as well. But for me, th that was definitely my top number one pick for 2019. It was probably the most easy to guess out of uh, all three of us. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when I was watching you play that game, and at, in the beginning, I was like, oh, this is going to be a long Twitch night because you kept dying and dying and yes. dying. I'm like, oh, I can't watch it anymore. It was on the it. first level too, like the very first man. soldier I came across. I'm like, why is this so hard? Golly. And so then you're like, man, I really this game. I mastered it. I mastered this one. I'm like, okay, that's cool, Russ. Great. Yeah. Okay. How many times are you dying? And then you posted on Facebook. You you taking on the last guy. I'm like, man, that looks magnificent. Oh my <laughs> goodness, that looks incredible. It really, yeah. And and I think so. To touch on that really, really briefly. The game, so like, it's no stranger to all of us as gamers when we're playing an action adventure game that as you level up, you get more powerful. But there is a key difference between a game like Sekiro versus other types of action adventure games. And it's hard for me to put my finger on it. But it, but Star Wars replicates the same thing where like when, as you max out your character, it's just a different play experience where if you, like say for instance, you're taking on stormtroopers right now, uh, and it's it, it can be a bit of a struggle where you're having to go back and forth between parrying and blocking and attacking and that sort of thing. But then when as you progress through the game, they become easier and easier to take down. And for some reason, there there's some method to the formula. And again, it's very difficult for me to put into words, but it is very uniquely different from a classic action adventure title with that in mind where you are really just, I don't know, Bradley, maybe, maybe you can help me out with this, but like, it's the same thing with Sekiro where like there you're, right. you're going through it and you're just able to dispatch these enemies a whole lot easier as you get stronger. And as a result, there is more of a feeling of accomplishment. It's almost as if, they took like a certain component from RPGs, like where when your characters are leveled up super high and they're just able to take out, like if you revisit a village or something and you're able to take those guys out, no problem. Somehow they were able to translate that into an action adventure title. Yeah. I, and it makes for a neat experience. No, it really does. And I, I think the difference is in games like Sekiro and uh, Jedi Fallen Order, they don't give you fodder in the beginning. The characters, the, the enemies that you fight against on the first planet after you get out of the tutorial level in uh, in Jedi Fallen Order, 
they can do real damage to you. Those stupid little crab things and the things that jump out of the yep. holes in the ground, right? So Sekiro does the same thing. When you're when you're escaping from the first village, you can't just slice through the the guys who are guarding the gates and you know walking around the villa. Um, you have to take those methodically. But in most games, what they do in the first couple levels is they give you, you know, level one enemies. So you're up against them, you're level one, they're level one, no problem, I got them. And then most games scale the enemies as you scale as well. I think games like Jedi Fallen Order and Sekiro, they give you those tougher enemies in the beginning. So, you know, it might be a level five enemy in the beginning when you're level one, that's tough. But then you come back and you're level 10, for lack of a better word, you cut through them like butter. Um, so I think that's more the, the curve that they've put into those games. But you're right. It feels good in, uh, you know, Jedi Fallen Order. I fell off Sekiro. That, you know, it was too hard for me. I'm old. I don't have the reflexes that I used to. Um, but uh, Jedi Fallen Order, when you come back to that first planet later in the game, and you just mow through, you know, the legendary creature that's hiding in a cave there that, you know, was kind of a pain in the ass. Yep. When you just mow through him at the end, <laughs> it's like, man, I am that much stronger. It really gives you that sense of progression for what your character has done over the, you know, 20, 25 hours that you've put into the game. So I really think that's that's more what they do is they kind of ramp up the difficulty on those first guys. You know, they don't ease you in like uh, like most games do. Yeah, another um, noteworthy little tidbit is I really appreciated the bosses in Sekiro. They were very just imaginative, and it and it really spoke to how um, well realized this world is that they had developed to the point where, like, every time I came to a boss, uh, it what was interesting about it was how my heart rate like my blood pressure went up so much. There, there were times when my hands were trembling because of how intense the fighting was. And that speaks very highly about the game where you, you know, you know, you're playing a game. This is not an actual life or death situation, but that's how for, like ferocious and fierce the fighting is where you're trying to survive through this. And then when you do, you, you feel compelled to like yell out some sort of war cry. And I know I'm not the only one feeling this way because I've watched several um, YouTube content creators who were playing the game and they had the exact same type of response that I did. And to, to the point where they would even comment like, who my heart is racing after that. Or man, like I just, I feel like I, can, I need to take a break and like take a nap or something. Cause it just took a lot out of me. And I think it is very exclusive to a title such as uh Sekiro itself. So anyway, we are out of time. That wraps up this episode of Joygasm. I want to thank our good old friend, Brad, for joining us on our annual favorite games of the year. So thank you, Bradley. It's always a treat to have you on the show. Well, thanks for and, having me. Absolutely. Want to make sure you tune in next week when we review Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to check out patreon.com slash joygasm and consider becoming a monthly contributor. You'll get exclusive perks and early access to the show, not to mention it really helps us continue doing what we love to do. Also, you can follow us on social media and YouTube. Just do a search for Joygasm TV. Last but not least, search Joygasm TV on Twitch to see us stream our gaming adventures live every Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Central Time. We will see all of you next week. 